Hello and welcome back to the What The Fork Sunderland Preview Podcast. Depending on who you listen to this weekend, there is a derby match happening at the Stadium of Light this Sunday as we welcome in for Middlesbrough to Wearside and look to continue our own recent good run. As always, come rain or shine, we are here to preview the big game and I'm delighted to welcome Donna from the rather excellent Borough Breakdown podcast. We've had Johnny, we've also had Tom from the Borough Breakdown, mm-hmm. but we've never had you before. So how devil are you? Are you doing well? Yeah, I'm doing fine, Graham. How are you? I'm all right, I think, but this is prior to the Watford game. So if any fans are listening and thinking he sounds a bit chipper for a defeat, it's my fault. Um, but I'm all right. Thanks for asking. I think there's tons of stuff for us to get to, right? And you haven't gone through this as yet on our podcast that we just did on yours, but I am going to ask you anyway. In the opinion of Donna from the Borough Breakdown podcast, is Sunderland versus Middlesbrough a derby? And if it isn't, what does the game represent to you? See, I think it is a derby. I mean, if Cardiff and Bristol City is a derby, then I feel like Boris Sunderland is, right? Um, but to be fair, like I like my first season card was in the season we got relegated in 2008, 2009. So over the years, I haven't really seen Borough too much against Sunderland. I mean, I have I've I only saw Borough against Newcastle, I think, twice um in that season where we went down because they went down too. So for me, this game is a derby. It represents one of those fixtures on the schedule where you look at it with a little bit more interest and intrigue. Um, I do appreciate that for Sunderland fans, it's not the derby, and I completely understand that point of view. But f- I think for Borough fans, it is. Because let's be honest, we don't have much more, do we? We can't really regard Hartlepool as our rivals because of 1986 and them helping us out. So we've got we've got an out, Graham. You've got to give us summit. I think I'll let you have that. You explained it quite well. I'm happy with that. Um <laughs> I think we both hate them lot up the road a lot worse, though. Um, yes, yeah. Yeah, see, see, that's where we meet in the middle. Um, mm. The start of the season, that seems eerily, really familiar to last year for you, but you've won your last four games in a row out of, like, nowhere. So how's the mood with Middlesbrough fans at the moment? Because, obviously, bad start, really on form at the moment. Yeah, it's definitely uplifted. Um, it's weird because it feels like about five minutes ago I was on BBC T's and I was thinking, God, we've gone backwards, we're getting worse. And now we are definitely getting better. There's over the past three league games, we've obviously won them, and the performances have been good individually. We've had um, a very open game against Watford where it was chaos and we had a couple of setbacks, but we managed to win the game. Um, Southampton before that, we were very good against them, very good, deserved the three points. And then the game against Cardiff yesterday. As you know yourselves, what we were mentioning on on our pod, they sat back for a lot of that game and were very difficult to break down. So the fact that Borough put two past them could have been more, I think, is massive credit to us. So it's taken time and Carrick has experimented and he's got things wrong, a bit of trial and error. Um, the, The system that he was implementing was very narrow on the forwards and it just didn't suit the players that we have, or at least it didn't suit the collective as well. And he's identified that it wasn't working and he's obviously sought to find a resolution for that and he's landed on a winning formula so as much as Carrick is inexperienced he's going to make mistakes fair play to him because he's identified that and he's turned things around I don't know whether I can commit to saying that we've absolutely fully turned a corner yet but we're definitely turning one which is good because we started the season really poorly as you mentioned I think looking at the the Cardiff game, obviously that's your most recent one. Um, we're including obviously a cup game that lasts four wins in a row, but you know a win's a win. Um, you said the performance could have been more than two. You know how was the performance like? Because we played Cardiff the other week, and as we touched on the podcast we've just done with you, they're a sticky team that just sit back and they are hard to break down. 
They are, yeah. You know what? They were they were set up in a in a four four two slash four one four one, and it was really difficult for Borough to to get Riley McGree on the ball in particular. I mean, he's our best player in my opinion, and he influences the game really well. And they were quite tight to him. They were cutting out those passing lanes to him, so they really stifled our best attacking player. So I think it was a game very important on patience um the crowd got you know a few groans and moans that here and there because we weren't really penetrating them with those passes but we managed to to break through and I think that did open the game up because to be fair I mean Cardiff had a couple of chances but it it wasn't anything that that they were a particular threat uh, against us so it, it opened the game up from there and we got the second goal we could have got a third potentially a, a fourth um so we had chances but it was not the greatest performance but one of those really important ones where it was tough and at times it was turgid and Borough weren't at their best but they managed to power through and they were patient they broke through they got the win I think you know as we've sort of touched on already if this game was played only three weeks ago the last game I think we would have spoken about would have been the 1-1 draw with Chef Wedwich from both sides ahead was was drab and I think mm. some some people said it looked like the, the league's worst two sides but you know since then beat Southampton beat Bradford in the cup Watford away and Cardiff have just mentioned you touched a bit on he's changed a few things but but what's changed in sort of team shape formation potentially and most importantly mentality in the fan base in that game since uh, the Sheffield match yeah so in terms of tactics Carrick was implementing a system where it was a it's like a four-two-four, um, and it, it it didn't work. Now context, I think, is important here because last season we were building up in a three-two-five, so we had the three centre halves. We had Ryan Giles at left back getting really high up the pitch, um, forming part of that attacking contingent up front, the five forwards, and it it works because Ryan Giles was such a good player, and you know he's effectively a winger playing left back. That's his profile, his his style. Obviously, we don't have Ryan Giles, so you have to find different ways to implement a, a different system. And he tried it with uh, really narrow forwards, which just wasn't working. We kept cutting inside, either shooting and hitting Rosette or it getting blocked. And it, it was we were moving into really congested areas. And it was really difficult for us to actually click. We still had chances, man. We, I mean, Sammy Silvera skied a couple from close range, which is so very Ashley Fletcher coded because that's what he did when he was in a Middlesbrough shirt. Um, and then he's changed back to, I want to say it's a three, two, five. It's more of a two, three, six in all honesty, because as I mentioned there with the, with the left back with Ryan Giles getting high, getting really advanced on the pitch, it's kind of the same with the right back now. So we've got the two defenders, the two centre halves, the right back, the two centre midfielders, and then the forwards up front, the five forwards. So that's what's changed and crucially we've got width which we didn't have and our fullbacks are getting <laughs> past the halfway line so I think that's been really important and the fans received the Southampton game really well because the the intent straight off the bat was to really press on them and I think off the ball we were a lot more aggressive in that game whereas previously we weren't so that was a uh, a real big game because I think the, you could tell that the fans were really in tune with what the team were, uh, the performance that the team were putting out there against Southampton. Funny you mentioned Ashley Fletcher missing guilt edge chances there. As Sunderland fans, we only had him for six months, but we do remember those times as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure Chef Wed fans will also agree. Um, 
Talking of Sheffield, Cisco's under a massive amount of pressure. I know there's different things happening at that club compared to Middlesbrough, but you both had equally as bad runs. And you can maybe tell me if different, but it never felt like Carrick was under any sort of pressure from the fan base and any sort of way during that run. Look, every fan has their own opinion. There'll be one that went, I wanted him out at that point. But was there ever a point that you personally were worried about Carrick and, and the style of football? Was he ever under any pressure? I wouldn't really say so though. I mean, there was a point where my belief was waiting in and, and I mentioned this on our pod. That was immediately after the Chef Wed game, actually. I think Carrick has built up enough credit in the bank to work through this difficult period. Like if you just got to get shot of a manager because of a poor start, bearing in mind the job that he did last season, then we're just going to become a Watford because I was actually, funny enough, we sat Chris Wilder a year ago yesterday and I, I was uh, watching a few clips from our podcast that we did immediately after that. And I said that Carrick will be our fourth manager since 2020, which is very unlike Borough because typically with Steve Gibson, you expect loyalty, you expect that consistency in manager. Um, and so Carrick definitely deserved that time. Absolutely. And it never felt like, even though we were shit, like it felt like we weren't 100, like we weren't a million miles away from being not shit. So I'm not surprised actually that we've, we're in the process of turning a corner but for me I, I never wanted Carrick out there were a few Borough fans that did but I would say they were in the minority Funny when you said you didn't want to admit that you turned the corner there it's such a northeast fan thing it's like I don't want to say we, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say we've done it yet we've won the last 15 games in a row but I don't want to say it just yet um <laughs> I don't like to go on to something this early in the podcast but there's obviously a man that connects us both um Sunderland fans love Tony Mowbray. Big, big fans. Um, he's still a legend of Borough. I don't feel like there's any animosity towards him. But um, what have Middlesbrough fans made of Tony Mowbray's real impression at Sunderland? Bearing in mind that he was was with Middlesbrough. Yes, he was under different constraints, but he, he didn't have anywhere near as a successful time with yourselves as he did with us. No, I think Borough fans hate the fact he's at Sunderland um, because he is regarded as a legend. So I don't think that will ever change, um, given what he you know, gave for this club, not just as a as a player as well, by the way, obviously well before my time, but as a manager too, because Tony Mowbray laid a lot of the foundations for Karanka, Karanka's promotion team. Um, like brought through Ben Gibson. Um, I'm pretty sure he brought through Ben Gibson, Daniel Ayala. Um, you know, there's there's other players that escape me, but he definitely played a big part at Grand Ledbetter, actually. How did I not forget? how did I not remember Grand Ledbetter? Brought in Grand Ledbetter big big part of that that team huge huge part of that team in fact and so I think with Tony Mowbray a lot of Borough fans absolutely love him but just hate the fact that he's at Sunderland and um, it's interesting with him though actually because he was a he was a bit of a kneeling manager for us he would get us into a good position in January and then we would pretty much fall off a cliff so obviously that didn't happen with Sunderland last season so that's quite interesting but he always strikes me and I don't know whether you necessarily agree with this uh, Graham as as a manager that can only take a club so far and, and is very much a, a nearly man but yeah I think Borough fans do love Tony Mowbray but they'll hate him on Saturday There was a, f- a few teams Blackburn fan that said very similar a Coventry fan that said very similar and I mm. think there was an element of Sunderland fans that thought when Tony Mowbray came in that he would be a manager that would solidify us um, and he got us in the playoffs and now I'd be devastated if he left. So I, I really hope his brand and style of football does continue further forward. But um, 
I think there's a long few months to go yet to see whether he can take us further forward in the Premier League. But he's been great with us. But I think the, the opinion that you have is shared by Coventry fans and Blackburn fans. But hey, maybe he could be a Sunderland legend come the end of the season. I hope so. Um, I think you look at the teams in the playoffs, talking of the playoffs, which obviously we both reached last year, um, ourselves and Coventry and yourselves. Four lost the key striker. Jokeres left Coventry. You lost Akpom. We lost Stewart. Now, whilst we sort of got used to not playing with Ross Stewart because of his injuries, so it's a bit less of a loss, if we're completely honest, Akpom was a huge part of Borough's first team and, and 28 goals is, is a massive amount of goals to take out your team. I know you've won the last four, but how much did his departure sort of alter things at the beginning? And how is life, as you said on on uh, your podcast, post-Akpom? <laughs> yeah, it's been interesting because I think with Akpom in that number 10 position, he was so good at keeping hold of the ball and taking pressure off Borough and allowing players to get up the pitch. I think I'm pretty sure that we were the most effective counter-attacking team in terms of goals scored from counter-attacks last season. So having someone that can pin a defender and allow the um, his teammates to get forward was crucial. And his position was kind of loose in that team. He, he consistently floated around the right and linked the play on that side. So just having that link man, I think the absence of one has... I wouldn't say hurt Borough this season. I don't think that's necessarily the right word, but it's definitely shown because Morgan Rogers has been placed in that position. Matt Crooks has been placed in that position. Crooks is, is playing well at the moment in that role. I think he's effective at just slipping those balls in behind and combining well with players. As we've That's what we've seen from Matt Crooks in the Middlesbrough shirt. Rogers is an interesting one where he's got that potential, but his first touch and his ball control is really poor. And it just puts a lot of pressure back on Borough rather than taking it off. Um, and a lot of moves break down because of just a general lack of ball, good ball control. So I think post Pom, obviously we don't have a player with that sort of narrative that we saw with Tuba where it honestly felt like everything that he touched turned to gold. And I think there was a point against Hull where he span and had a shot and it just nestled in the bottom corner. I was thinking, bloody hell, he could literally do anything. It, it would probably end up in a goal. So we have we have lost a big goal threat and a big part of our team. But in truth, it's not just him. It's Giles too. It's Stefan. The uh, departure of Stefan has definitely... I think Senny Dieng has helped that because he, he's probably on par with potentially even an upgrade on Stefan in terms of his distribution and his shot stopping, his commanding of his area. But there's just several parts of that team that are no longer here that were big, big influences like Cameron Archer and Aaron Ramsey as well towards the back end of the campaign. It's very much post Lawneys and Akpom that I think we're, we're enduring at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of... Um, emphasis was put on Akpom, but you, you'd asked me before about which players I particularly would like to borrow. And I mentioned Giles, but obviously he, he's left and he's gone towards the, the Premier League now. We moved to Luton, which I'm not 100% sure is mm. the right thing. But but despite the players that you lost, Borough did start as promotion favourites. Like a lot of people had them down as automatics and stuff like that. So on one hand, you could say, you know, the start of the season completely changed that. But on the other hand, you could say that, you know, you had potentially a worse start last year. I don't know the exact figures, but I'm sure it wasn't that far away. And then you made the playoffs. And I think a lot of people thought because the, the momentum that you went in with, you could win the playoffs. I know Leicester and Ipswich look quite clear in front 
Like they do look pretty good. I don't know whether April will tail off. I doubt that Leicester will. Um, <laughs> with the way the season started, what what is the aim for Middlesbrough? Is it to break into the playoffs and try to go on better, or is automatic still kind of an aim for yourselves? I don't know to be honest because I said second completely delusionally before a ball was kicked, and I don't think I fully registered how big an impact it would be losing those lawn players. I think I I had blissful hope that the players that we brought in would be just as good and let's be honest that's realistic to have players like Archer and Ramsey that come in and just hit the ground running immediately is is was unprecedented I think we didn't expect that and to be fair like Borough fans will say Borough were doing well before those players but they just pushed us further into the, that playoff position and I would say that we were tracking as the third best team in the league for a established point in that season obviously Luton were um, got there in the end in third. But yeah, I mean, the expectation for me, if we get into the playoffs, that would be great. The championship is very open and I think it'll be very similar to what it was last season, bar maybe like Leicester and Southampton could turn it around. But Russell Martin's teams are very strange. I don't, it's probably the manager there that makes me th- question it. Defensively a mess, just pass for the sake of it. Leeds under Farker will probably be up there. Yourselves will be up there. I think if we get into the playoffs, I'll be happy with that. I've definitely, I don't think we'll get second. I'm pretty confident in saying that that prediction for myself pre-season is not going to come off. Um, but if we get into the the playoffs, I think I'll be happy with that because this is a team that is growing and learning and has new players from different leagues, different countries. And with that, sometimes you do get massive teething issues and it takes them a while to really get embedded into the into the team, into the club, into the country. So I would say I would say playoffs for me is the, is the aim and expectation potentially. Talked about the players that have left the club and, and Giles and Akpom, but there's been plenty of players that have come in. I know um, O'Brien was playing really well and is, thankfully for us, he, he looks like he's going to be injured for a few weeks. He'll be missing the weekend, yeah. but... Of the players that have came in, and I'll include O'Brien in that because obviously I'd like your thoughts on him as well, but um, which of you some assignments have impressed the most? You mentioned Dieng before, but there's, there's been quite a few that have come in. Yeah, I would say Dieng actually because Stefan was a big part of how we played. We used him as as the the chief trigger beater um, and the press beater because having him on the ball in those areas where like my dad next to me is thinking just fucking who fit why are you pissed about with the ball? He was doing that to entice that press so that Borough could pick teams off and, and exploit those spaces. And so Dieng isn't doing that. It's the centre-backs that are doing that this season. That's the key change, I think. Um, but his shot stopping, I think, is better than Stefan's. His commanding of the area, I would say, is better than Stefan's. His distribution is on par. So I think he's been a, a really big sign-in. There's been a, f- a few, like Latte Lath, who you'll probably see um, at the weekend, is a bit of a meme in my opinion like he's so fast but he's almost too fast for his own good I don't know whether you saw a goal against Cardiff but he cuts inside he trips over his own feet and he picks himself back up and, and curls the ball at the bottom corner so he's like he's got a lot of good things to his game but it's probably the finishing that lets him down in all honesty very quick good movement but finishing probably a little bit inconsistent um Lewis O'Brien was my pick um of the signings this season because I just think you know the last time that he was in this division with Huddersfield a lot of championship watchers avid championship watchers and even casual championship watchers were looking at him thinking he should be in the Premier League and obviously went to the Premier League and because Forrest signed literally everybody 
he didn't get his opportunity and I think he got an illness as well he was ill for a bit so it kind of placed him a little bit down the pecking order so him and Dieng for me are our best signings of of the window there's other players like Rogers for example in in Greenwood who have potential Greenwood ex-Sunderland I think it was there there was that photo of him with Dan Neal isn't it for one of the the cup finals or whatever yeah um, so there's that that narrative as well there um but I think there's we've been big on potential this summer and that will take time to reap the rewards I think I think to be fair you've got a similar model to us in that you signing players with potential but unfortunately for us it's it's not quite clicked for a lot of these players yet you touched on Greenwood before and the reason I kind of asked that question was to segment into that a little bit <laughs> I wasn't devastated that he didn't sign for us but I would like to see what he could produce for us I think as you said before he's he's obviously a Sunderland fan he's gone to Arsenal originally dropped down to to Leeds They've dropped down in division. He's come on loan to Middlesbrough. I think he's only played about five games, and I doubt any of those have been 90 minutes. Hasn't scored yet, but what sort of player is he? Is he looking like a player that's ready to sort of play championship football regularly? Because he's been in and around that Leeds team for the past couple of years, hasn't he? Yeah, this one's an interesting one, actually, because it's championship to championship loan, and I always find those are a bit weird. Um I think with Greenwood, obviously, he played against Cardiff yesterday and he did look good. I think he was one of the best players on the pitch in a game that wasn't great. So I don't think anyone within the game individually was great, but he was good in that game. A little bit selfish, I would say, um, is what I've seen so far. But obviously, he trusts himself. He's confident. I think he's... he's I wouldn't say he's quick, but he's... I don't know, he's very incisive with his movement and uh, with his passing and stuff and uh, yeah he's an interesting one because I think Leeds fans all they really said to us about him is that set pieces is a good free kick taker which is something that we've needed to be fair our corners are shocking so if you want to if you think that Borough will repeat the the play against or from Cardiff and that we'll score a late corner that ain't happening because we probably won't get it past the first man so he is an interesting one, Greenwood. Coming off, coming into this game off the back of the Cardiff game, it seems like he is that number 10 option, whereas we, we actually brought in Alex Gilbert from Brentford B and we were thinking that he could be the the number 10 this season and the, maybe the, the backup number 10 option. He's barely played. Made his debut against Bradford and has basically been a bit of a ghost figure for us. So Greenwood is that option in the number 10 position. I'll be interested to see if he starts on on Saturday because Crooks is, is in good form. But Greenwood, it looks like he's got a point to prove. I think that's what I'll take from what I've seen from him so far. And to be fair, it's been small cameos and then that game against Cardiff yesterday. So not a big sample size, but it does look like he, he has a point to prove. Talking of the young players, there was one person I did want to centre on. I've never really watched him, to be honest, outside of sort of the championship highlights. He's 21 years old. Hayden Hackney. I seen someone on my Twitter feed the other day. Sorry, X, whatever you want to call it. Um, mm-hmm. Rated him at 25 million. And I couldn't okay. say whether I agreed or disagreed with it. Um, is he Borough's best young player? Yes, I would say so. He is a very technically gifted midfielder. Um Someone that's just a joy to watch, I said on our pod, it, it's like he has the ball attached to string to his boot. It's never 
he never gets away from him. He's always very comfortable in possession. He's always looking for that pass to progress the play, to break through, to break through a Cardiff, for example. He always shows for the ball, very brave in possession. He's definitely one to watch from the game because he has the ability to dictate it. A good ball carrier as well. I don't know what valuation I would place on him. I think it'd be daft to get into that discussion because you could just band about any old figure, isn't it? Because to be fair, it's inflated by how the the club values the the player, not necessarily what their ability or ceiling is. But he's definitely one to watch. For me, I would say that if Borough don't get promoted this season, he'll be playing in the Premier League next season. Strange you should mention that because I said something quite similar regarding Jack Clark, which brings me on wonderfully to the next question. Um, I think both games were really enjoyable last year. Even I, I went to the away game. Unfortunately, a leaky ceiling destroyed me chance of going to the, the home game, but I did get a chance to watch it. Your win, arguably decided by the goal from Wally McGree and his performance. Our win, arguably won by Ahmad Diallo. So Ahmad's not going to be playing this weekend, as we know. I've mentioned Jack Clark there, but which players have stood out for you when you've watched Sunland and, and where are we likely to be able to attack you? Where are your weak spots? Yeah, it, it has to be Jack Clark, obviously the division's top scorer, just a just a very, very, very dribbly player. And someone that we were linked with actually. There's been a lot of Sunland Borough links in terms of like the transfer market and things like that. But he's someone that I think is just a fantastic player, unfortunately. Um, I hate to say it, but Buddy is, let's be honest. Let's put the, the bias, leave the bias at the door. He's a good player, very good player. And coming up against probably he'll be coming up against Tommy Smith. Tommy Smith is a is a good fullback, very solid fullback. I would probably be more worried if you switch sides and put him up against Lucas Engel. I I don't want to like I feel bad for saying this, but Lucas Engel, um, yeah, he had an absolute shocker against Sheffield Wednesday. He definitely picked up in performance against Cardiff and that was notable and it was really good to see that. So I still have questions though around Lucas Engel. Like, was that performance against Cardiff in isolation or is this going to be his, um, is, is he going to continue this? So I think that's going to be the big question of the weekend. Obviously, Lewis O'Brien was playing left back. So that would have been interesting as well because he's not a left back. But the way that we play pushes him forward into the areas that he wants to be in. So that's going to be a real, real key um, matchup at the weekend, just the full back and wing area because. I feel like our weakness probably is Lucas Engel. As, as good as he was against Cardiff, there's still a lot of question marks over him. And I think in midfield as well, Hayden Hackney is fantastic, but there is, I think, a few holes in his game defensively because he pushes up, he leaves space in behind him. And I think that's probably where you may see a few fortunes from Sunderland. But that midfield battle is going to be very interesting, I think. It could uh, swing the game either way. I normally ask for predictions at this point, but I'm going to change it a little bit. I think you asked me before what if you know what I excited for the game, what are my thoughts on it, and I think I said nervous, but and, and kind of calm at the same time. But I'm actually excited for it. You know, I think two teams that are in good form. I know we're speaking before our game against Watford, but win, lose, a draw tonight. Sunderland are in good form, and, and Middlesbrough have won their last four. Two young teams, good young players. I think both sides are quite fearless in the way that they um, will approach the game. But how do you see it going? I know we've both got our own bias and I feel like we can overcome you and you feel like your players can overcome ours. But in terms of the game, I think this could be a really exciting one. How how do you see it going? 
Yeah, you know what? In terms of a feeling, I'm I'm probably excited and shitting myself in equal measure. I think because there's just a little bit more riding on this uh, for Borough, because as, as I said, I think a lot of people are of the same opinion as me that they regard it as a derby. I, you know what? I'm not really that confident just because it's against Tony Mowbray. It's at the Stadium of Light. There's just something about that matchup that I don't, that, that kind of unnerves me. And it's probably a little bit about or a little bit from last season too sticking immediately in the in the memory and you do have a very very good attacking team and I think Borough defensively this season have been a little bit suspect at times I think it gets card if we were better so there's signs that we're maybe progressing there but I'm not and I never have been really of Middlesbrough under Michael Carrick 100% certain that we're gonna be good defensively it's always been our issue but last season we were able to basically you were able to ignore that to a degree because of how good we were offensively. Now that's not the case this season as such. So yeah, it's one of those games where I'm a bit nervous, but I'm hoping that the the form that we're coming into this game with can just give us that little bit extra that is needed to get us a good result. Now, you know, we will get onto predictions, I'm, I'm sure, but I think this will be a tight game and, and maybe a draw is... A little bit overdue. Yeah, I'll give you my prediction. I said 1-1, as you know. Um, but I do feel like we discussed it being a high-scoring draw and it wouldn't surprise me because I think both teams will get at each other and I think there's potentially that youthfulness in both sides could open up spaces. But I'm going to go 1-1. I do think it'll be tighter than than we might imagine as much as I've just talked about as a really big, exciting game. But... Um, What's your thoughts if you're going to put a prediction on? Yeah, I said 2-2, didn't I? I said mm-hmm. that we'd come from behind and snatch a draw and then it would feel like a win. And you know what? I would take that because, as you said, I think you know winning five in a row would be massive, but that run has to end and I think maybe it will um, instead of hitting five in a row. So I would be happy with a draw, to be honest, just to keep the results ticking over and keep that good old momentum Um just going because I feel feel like that's what we need. We just need to keep building, keep progressing, and see where we go from there. I think a, a draw in a weird way it would be a result that both of us would be okay with. I think because yeah. both in good form, both it means you're drawing in a derby, whether you're class as one or not. I'm not too sure myself, <laughs> um, but you class it as a, a draw. You think well, a draw is all right in a derby, fair enough. But the fact that we're both on a good run of form, we could both continue our good run of forms by having a draw. So I think I'll take mine or yours if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. I never like saying we'll take a draw, but I think I would in this case. But um, I've been on your show today. I've been on in the past as well. Where can we find all the, the borough breakdown stuff? Because I do listen, and it is very good. Yeah, so we're on Twitter, borough underscore breakdown. We're on Facebook and Instagram too. But the pods found on the usual podcast providers: Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, is that still a thing now? I think it is. There's, I think so. We're, we're all, yeah, we're all uh, one of them closed down or whatever. I think it was, I don't even know what it was called. Something catcher, I don't even know. But we're on most of the, the podcast platforms and you can find us on YouTube as well. Same with mine and you can subscribe if you want, but I don't care if you don't. Uh, Donna, thanks very much for joining me. No luck on Saturday, as I'm sure you would anticipate, but um, good luck for the rest of the season after that, apart from out of the game, all right? Thank you very much. <laughs>